0: Hey, just before we get going, you might notice a couple of things in this episode. One is that my mic doesn't sound super awesome. The other is that Kathy, well, Kathy's literally living in a house that they're building up around her, and so you might hear a little bit of extra noise on her end. I don't think either thing should impact your enjoyment of the episode, but I just wanted to acknowledge that they exist. Onward! Nuclear.
1: Now, is it creek or creek?
0: Coyote or Coyote. Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this: sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petris. And we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language.
2: Well, this is the birthday edition of our podcast, it's <laughs> Fletcher's birthday, it was, and as a as our own gift, we didn't want to spend any money on Fletcher, so we just had to do something different. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> Rossi,
1: We weren't supposed to say that. It got lost in the mail, it got... lost in the mail for God's sake. <laughs> but we're,
2: we're actually gonna do something a little bit different and we're not going to quiz Fletcher. Oh. Not that actually I think he's done so well, I think pro- he might even want a quiz as his, for his birthday present, but we're not gonna do it. <laughs> We're going to give him a break.
1: (laughs) Take that. We're we're not going to spend any money
0: on him, and we're not going to give him what he wants.
1: (laughs) But uh, But we love you, Fletcher. Warmest happy birthday wishes for both of us. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm definitely interested uh, to see where we head today if if I'm not getting quizzed. But I do know that we have a listener question uh, that we uh, have not yet picked up on from uh, back on our 100th episode. This one uh, is from Dylan. Dylan, what do you got? Hi. This is Dylan from Santa Cruz, California. I have a question about nouns. Many of them with the same
2: meaning can end in OR or ER. For example, vendor versus seller or donor versus giver and administrator versus manager. Why do these different endings exist? And in a more very California question, where did gnarly come from? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That the dog apparently is also curious about (laughs) OR versus (laughs) ER.
0: Nice cameo from Dylan's dogs. I do wish Dylan had. Uh, let us know his dog's name. Uh, that that right. I do not appreciate, Dylan.
1: <laughs> vendor. The name is Vendor. vendor. <laughs> With an
0: E-R or an O-R.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: anyway, I got to say that uh, this is something that's kind of interesting to me. I was just thinking about this the other day before uh, we decided we were going to hit this questions, and so I'm kind of curious uh, what the answer is.
1: I just want to start out, though, that interestingly enough, when we started looking into this, there was a vendor spelled V-E-N-D-E-R once, so, I mean, it, it wasn't just an OR. It, it, it's in the OED. It hasn't really been used since the 1800s, the later 1800s. So I just wanted to say that there was indeed a vendor that was spelled with an ER like seller is spelled like an ER well, to begin. With. The
2: one key thing, too, that we found when we did a little bit of research on this, was there, there has been that confusion that's gone on literally for centuries, ER and OR. So if you get confused, you've got a lot of company over the years. A lot of people mix them up and a lot of people have mixed them up. And a lot of times, as Kathy just said, a lot of times the ER was used then and now an OR is used and vice versa. But, Kathy, you want to pick up on the basic difference?
1: Well, i got to say this question got me because it, I had never thought of it. And, I, and suddenly I realized I should have thought of it because it's so obvious. It's like, why do we have this? But what we're talking about generally is an agentive suffix. It's the suffixes that when you add them to a word, the verb is changed. It, it turns a verb into a word that's like nouns. Um, like someone who gives advice is an advisor. Advisor is the verb. You add the suffix. Advise is the verb. You add the suffix, it becomes advisor. So that's fine. So we've got like both er and or are what are called agentive suffixes. But why or sometimes and why er other times? Ross? <laughs> well,
2: as almost always is the case with when we talk about this and when Kathy throws the question back to me, it comes basically from a Latin, uh, the distinction between Latin origin words and and uh, Germanic or or Old English origin words. A lot of times, not by no means all of the time, but a lot of times when we have an agent noun, which is again, like Kathy said, we take a verb, we add a blank R ending to it, And that becomes the uh, entity that does the action in Latin. A lot of times when the word comes from the Latin, a lot of times we add an OR and there are a slew of ORs, but there is even a bigger slew of ERs. But like, for example, for the OR endings, audit comes from Latin. And we have auditor credit comes from Latin. We have creditor edit comes from Latin. And we know the word Kathy and I know that word very well editor with an O exhibit, exhibitor, those are O-R, and all of those words I just mentioned were formed on, if you want to be technical, the uh, perfect passive in Latin um, verb, O-R. Now on to ERs. Kath?
1: I just wanted to interject one thing. Ross said the thing about there's no real rule, and that's, as is always the case, everything here gets very sloppy and blurry, I'm just going to say that, and it's going to get blurry as we keep speaking. So you've got ERs are more common in uh, the Germanic rooted words. So it's more common in English than the Latin. So it's drive, driver, run, runner, drink, drinker, um, compute, computer. Really, Ride, dinner. rider, I was going to say dinner, dinner, but that's a diner, dine, diner. Yeah. Yeah. Maker, batter. Uh, no, nah, oh
2: wait. Batter, but we had a T there too. But yes. Well,
1: you do that with runner. You add an extra consonant. You do in a couple of You cases. do.
2: Canvas. Canvasser, you add an extra S. Sometimes you do that. We should mention that, though. Fib. Fibber.
1: So generally speaking, you usually have the OR with A Latin words, especially Latin words with end with A-T-E. Right, Ross? Wasn't that it? Yes. I'm just... Right. Right. Um, Okay, thank you. I was when it's Latin. I was defer to you. I can't help but I have that like little sister, like Ross knows that feeling, you know. But can, can I draw you for a second, Kathy? Please do. So you just
2: said we just said uh, uh, this is going to be a, a obviously a disingenuous question. We just said ate tends to end with the or calculate right. calculate or. So right now I'm a skater, ate. How do but I end that? One with? Sil- that's one
1: cell. That's one syllable. Right. Right, it's exactly the point.
2: Yes, greater hater, uh, greater as in a uh, cheese grater or a person who's grating something. They're all one syllable, so they end. I just wanted to reiterate wow. that. Wow. So they tend to be ers.
1: It gets really weird, but then like okay. The other quasi-rule is usually, if you can change a word to have I-O-N at the end, you're going to use an O-R when you use the agent of subst- sub- suffix substance. And if you can't add the I-O-N, like professor, professor you can make it profession. profession. Uh, teacher, you can't make teachun, it, so it's an E-R. So that's like a quasi-rule. But And again,
2: that and again, hold up before I'm gonna throw this in again. I'm not sure Kathy said it, but again, the ION ending tends to be again from the Latin. Now, Kathy, go with your butt. Go with your butt. My butt,
1: excuse me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Butter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it that way. Butchen. Um, but the uh, it's not a foolproof rule, unfortunately. That's the whole problem. It's like you go, oh great, I have something I can follow, but you don't. Investor. You can't say investion, right? Proprietor. You don't say proprietion. Creditor. Credition. So so it doesn't fit all the time. So it's like, it's a lot of the times you can do this, but it's not foolproof by any means.
2: Although I'm going to throw in two possible rules. Again, they're messy. CT, verbs that end in CT, conduct, contract, connect, tend to take an OR also. And usually... Multisyllable verbs with an IT also take an OR. Audit, exhibit, inherit. But there are also some there, there are again some exceptions like recruit. You would say recruiter, not a recruitor, But we do, but one thing I think with that with the IT is it's good though, because visit, a lot of people write visit visitor, instead of visitor. It's a common mistake. Mm. Exhibit, it's exhibitor again. So the IT is a good rule basically to follow too. it equals or ct equals or i thought it was i t e
0: but i t no i t e would be er a t e is a t e or oh boy okay uh, let me back up just a second and see if i can wrap my arms around this um but before i do uh i guess i want to remind people um just in case they're curious that kathy is basically living in a construction zone right now and so if you're hearing hammering uh, and things banging around then that's what's going on. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. I didn't know we could hear stuff. <laughs> 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 I blanked it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's
0: it's around you so much that you're not even hearing it anymore. I mean that's good <laughs> it's for you. That's true.
1: So the kitchen's getting done today. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're using O R when words. Uh, typically, when words are coming from Latin, we're using er. By and large, when words are coming from Germanic languages, now not that mm-hmm. we necessarily know which ones they're coming from when we are just speaking English, uh, we'd have to know right. a lot about about each word and, and about the language. But basically, that's the idea. Now, right? You said when words are multi-syllable words, often that end in t, then we're using the or audit auditor when, when credit, they end with their it or ct it or ct right
2: it or ct tend to be or a silent e tends to be er change changer
0: advise advisor although you do see advisor with the or quite a lot we're going to get into that in a couple of
2: seconds
1: or something. Weird <laughs> you had to bring it up didn't you <laughs> actually can i
2: throw something out we have a uh Agent of suffix in one of our names, actually.
0: Oh. Fletcher. Yes, exactly. I, I am a Fletcher. Yeah. Well, I mean I'm not. I, I don't know how to put feathers on arrows or anything like that, but but yeah, that, that's true. And that comes
2: from a Germanic uh, origin word, uh, arrow. I think that's Germanic, old Flesh. Um, Isn't...
0: Uh, I mean I know I now. I know it as being from French, but I don't know where it comes from like before that. Oh no,
2: it comes from the old German, fluka. So it, it's that fits perfectly with what we're talking about. That's a it's a dramatic word. And uh, we add an ER to it. Perfect. So there we go. But there are a couple of exceptions. Are we saying basically now I was, this is a trick question. I shouldn't ask Fletcher because oh, I said it'd be no question. That's right. But are we saying that English forms agentive suffixes either with OR or ER as in Fletcher or whatever? Are we saying that is the case? We're saying often. That's the case. Often. Oh, wait a minute. So let's let me just get to <laughs> So let's talk about another agent of suffix before we go on with the O R and E R. So we basically have someone, let's say, let's say a Latinate word piano, which comes from the Latin planus. So now the person is either a piano or piano a, it's, a o,
1: it's an O-R, Ross, because it's Latin.
2: <laughs> and someone who does art is either an artor or an archer. <laughs> but right. we have
1: author, so, okay, don't, don't be snide, Ross. We know, okay, S-T, S-T. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rarer, but uh,
2: sometimes uh, agent of suffix as well. And there's one other that I was actually got really fascinated by that island that Amelia Earhart supposedly uh, crashed her plane on. It was, it's like this deserted island in the middle of the Pacific. and But it was an old account, and she was known as Anne. Does anyone know? Aviatrix.
0: Aviatrix back then. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. An old That's an old Latin agent of suffix. that's not used at all right now. But there was one other exception that is used, and I was at the university all week last week, and they're all over the place there. Bursar registrar.
0: Oh, A-R. that's an A-R. Interesting.
2: Yes. And we have one, and I'm not going to lie about this,
1: Uh, else Kathy
2: calls me a liar. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: That would be me. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's the minute you start thinking about this, is, which is why I've got to admit, when I first uh, saw Dylan's uh, question, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. And you start looking at it, and there's a lot more, as is always the case with English, is it not? There's much more to it than meets the I, so to speak, or mm-hmm. meets the or, or the R, or the er. What fascinated me was, and you think about it, and it's true, or, they were also saying, in addition to Latin, I should say, a lot of or words, uh, ending words, are French. Again, we go back to the not Germanic, but Latin, and but isn't that usually because so many French words tend to come from the Latin anyway? so... Yeah,
2: almost almost all French words, except right. for a couple of Celtic but
1: words. But yeah. also, how many or uh, agent nouns are in legalese more so than in, in regular conversation? You see, it's like think about it, juror. Most of the most of the legal terms that have an oh theoretically could have an er or an or have an or and. Sometimes
2: there can actually be an OR and an ER, and both are generally accepted use, including the word acceptor. Acceptor is ER in general usage, but in like banks or terms of contract with accepting money for a contract, the OR is often often used. Again, pointing to what Kathy just said.
1: But how often, I don't mean this stupidly, and I apologize for sounding um, aggressive or whatever. Do you ever say acceptor? I don't think I've ever used that term. I don't think so, but but
0: if I were to use <laughs> it, I would write ER.
1: <laughs> so, what about you, Fletcher? Have you O-R. ever said acceptor? No, I don't think or so. Or acceptor? But, I,
0: but it just now got me thinking about executor, and then I started thinking about executioner. Why don't we say executor? Why is it an executioner?
1: Because it's it's it's... it's yeah. I think it's starting to distinguish. It, it, yeah. Well, is it because it's the noun because it's an execution? I mean, yeah, but you're executing. Right. That's a really good question. It is because
2: executor comes obviously from, of course, the Latin, but it comes to carry out something. So executioner is, comes from execution, which is car- the uh, the act of carrying out. So the I don't know. That's really interesting. Because they both have a similarity. I mean, they both basically mean the same thing.
1: That's very strange.
2: Interestingly enough, there's a feminine form. We were talking about a la aviatrix, executrix, mm-hmm. a female executor, executor, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard that legally, haven't I? In the old days that it was used. Yeah, executrix, I guess. Yeah, that would be I don't it. know. I... That's That's an
2: interesting question, though because executor is not i'm looking at here it doesn't seem to have been used in any way it's executor is from the 1300s as someone appointed to see that a will is carried out into effect so my guess would be the executioner was done here the executioner seems to derive from the 1500s
0: mm. right so
2: probably so there we're going the answer i would think would be we already have someone being an executor and they don't want to be accused of uh, killing criminals
0: so we (laughs) use it
2: coined a new word.
1: Although that might have something to do with getting like the will to your (laughs) never mind.
0: (laughs) I mean a person could be both an executioner and an executor.
1: Exactly. I must say, I would not have thought that this uh, one simple question would uh, get us to killing people. But... but it's interesting,
0: though. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of what we, kind of what we do,
1: isn't it? No animals yes. yet, though. I want to point yes. out the I animals know, no are alive. Animals.
2: But what, one thing that does also interest me, though, is that apparently there are usages that in England, the OR tends to be more commonly used, from what I've read, than the ER. I mean, in both cases, ER is far more common than OR. But in England, OR tends to be a little bit more common than ER. That interested me, actually.
1: I saw that as well, Ross. And I was wondering, though, is it really, or is that one of those things that we've just... Because I was thinking, I, I don't know that I, I... I can't really think of a word that... Many words that are in, in, in Britain, ER, OR, and that we in America, or that used to be in America, say ER. Well, I like was... What,
2: uh, there was a blog I just saw right now, and an English uh, prof- American professor in England says, um, well, wait a minute. He says the opposite. Advisor. He's an advisor and a convenor. But when he's in the UK, they're saying, now this is interesting. They're saying advisor and convener. Uh-huh. Now, that's the exact opposite of what I'd read previously, where the OR is preferred in England. Hey, Mm -hmm. actually, can you guys bear with me
1: for a second? This is really interesting. No, because I saw that too. Um, A a bunch of places that O.R. is more common in British English as opposed to American. Look at this,
2: though. I just jumped to something else. We have advisor and advisor. Both are accepted as correct. I mean, people will not sneer at you if you you if you misspell them. He did a survey. I love guys who do surveys, you know,
0: people (laughs) who do surveys that are
2: (laughs) really bizarre. How many times is advisor written with an ER and how many times with an OR? At UMass Amherst, it was 10% ER, 90% OR. At University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, 27% ER, 73% OR. Hmm. Now we jump to the University of Edinburgh, and it's fifty-fifty.
0: Wow, that's interesting. That so
2: Americans prefer O R, and the Brits here prefer E R. So, Kath, I don't know. I'm not. I think you. Yeah, because when
1: I, when I when I saw that, I kept thinking, I'm not sure of this. I mean, except for jailor. isn't it jailor in Britain and jailer in the United States? That's the only one I could think of.
2: But jailer in, in England is spelled G A O L E R. Yeah.
1: It's E R. Oh, it is E R. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know where this comes from, because... Uh, it was one of those things that – this is what I hate about the internet sometimes. so You see this, and everybody repeats it, and it's everybody was like, yes, yes, OR, English, blah, 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 And I started thinking, where? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get hundreds of people writing in and telling us, and I'll feel like yeah, an idiot. Yeah, but I am
2: curious right? if it is OR or ER more in England. But, I mean, we have – Catherine. and I both have read this. We both agree,
0: but well, you, that's I mean, really interesting. We have listeners in, in England and in the UK. Uh, yeah. Let us know. Yeah, I'm really curious now.
2: I do know Peddler. I just looked that one up. That's uh, – a-R, though. The English L-A-R? spell peddler often P-E-D-L-A-R. Oh, boy. Okay, no, now I'm
1: seeing the opposite now. I'm sorry. I kept on looking. I'm seeing O-R is stronger in the U.S. than in the U.K. Okay. I'm saying the exact opposite now. Okay, so we were wrong on that, and now we're correct. In the U.S., you're an advisor. In the U.K., you're an
2: advisor. Actually, uh, now that we're doing this, I should add, there is a, another. there are two other rare agentive suffixes, too. I just thought of this. Okay, let's say you're someone who, this is, again, a little bit moving on, someone who practices logic. What are you?
0: A logician.
2: Right, I-A-N.
0: Or a magician.
2: That's right. And let's do another one. Let's say you're in court and you have been charged with something. What are you?
0: A defendant.
2: defendant. Right, A-N-T. Or let's say you serve someone and you are a?
0: Servant? Yes. And if you and if you're a, a humanoid uh robot, then you're a replicant. <laughs> yes, very
1: good. <laughs> I like the replicant. Uh, response. We're getting <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs>
1: what about Nik? I mean I'm, isn't that now really an agentive subs uh suffix? Like beatnik
2: Someone who does beat. Yes.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I just thought of it. I <laughs> think or it actually... S-T-E-R. I mean those, but those aren't attached to verbs. Like a hipster doesn't come. Hip is a not a verb. It's an adjective. No, but in a way, it
2: is a suffix though, because logic. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. But logic is a is not is a it's an agent again on a um it's an instrumental suffix, but it's not necessarily a. I, I think it. I, I, I think the problem with language is always it gets fuzzy, but mm-hmm. I think the key thing is it does refer to someone who does something. It is yeah, but an agentive suffix
1: technically is acts on a verb. I mean, let's yes. make that clear. So a lot of the ones we're throwing out now are not on verbs. So it's technically,
2: although serve is servant is definitely on a
1: verb. Yes, serve. But but I'm saying like a bunch of these that we've thrown out and said well sort of a, they're not they're not really no. an agentive suffix acts on a verb. We should make that clear because right. we're sort of we're actually just now going to. Yeah, you don't know, piano or art. No. Yeah. So, I mean, like what we were doing, we're, we're kind of spreading it a little, like, you know, we're spreading the butter thin. But
2: uh, the B-U-T-T-E-R. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> E-R. yeah.
1: No, but I think it's important, though, because I
2: think we should be aware that these suffixes do imply the act of doing something, even if they're not necessarily attached to a verb. And I think that's where we can get, that's where being in practicing language is important because we're using language. And in this case, we know now I-A-N-E-N-T can also indicate someone doing something, which I think is important.
1: Yes, but I think it's also important to, like, make sure that we understand our definitions. I agree. That's all. I think this is getting a little gnarly, Ross. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, before we get
2: gnarly, though, before we get gnarly, I want to throw one out just to stop. I know what we're going to do. This is sea related anyway, so we're OK. This okay. is ocean related. <laughs> um, sailor. How do you spell sailor? With an O, oh, right. It, it depends on what you're talking about. There is also a word sailor spelled S-A-I-L-E-R, and it's a type of ship.
1: Oh, specified or but that's not the same thing. I mean, that's not one who sails. But it's a ship that's doing the sailing. Yeah. Don't don't, don't, don't push it, Ross. Don't push. Although (laughs) I just looked it up in the OED, and it was used spelled that way in the 14 and 1500s.
2: Yeah, and then and then they switched over, and one became one, and one
0: became the other, which I like, though. Yeah, but didn't people spell their own names differently all the time in the 14 and 1500s? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think we should start spelling our names. Fletcher, how could you spell Fletcher? P-H. Fletcher, sure. yeah,
0: definitely. P P H. yeah, I think I will start with that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it is interesting, though, with the, ex- uh, just one last thing before we go on. The execute and the ex- executioner are sort of interesting because I think it, language does try to make amends for things where there, where there are problems. Like, I wonder if lie, which is A-R, mm-hmm basically formed because uh, lie, L-I-E-R, is someone who lies down. But no, just as I said that I just looked up here, and they're saying the A-R is probably an imitation of scholar, but who knows? I don't know.
1: And L-I-E-R was spelled meaning one who lies. It was it was that at one point. But
2: now the distinction came about because of obviously the confusion with the other. That's what I'm wondering.
1: I also think I'm sorry, and then I will gnarly this. Yeah, I also I think that sometimes that it's just like you know something just catches on. L I A R actually looks better, and it looks easier to pronounce than L I E R. I think it's pretty. It's pretty unequivocal. Mm-hmm. L I E R could is it Lear? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I wonder. If part of the time it's just like you know what 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 comes off is simpler. Very well could be. The one, and I, I think the final key distinction before we move on to Ireland, <laughs> we keep doing these dis- <laughs>
2: final ones. <but laughs> the final one is they're all effectively pronounced the same. Yeah, really. Which I think is yeah. The you key don't point. say
1: jail or you say jailer. No, but I suspect some people do pronounce the O more, to thinking it sounds more quote right. Don't you? I think it's a hyper.
2: It's a correction if they do it though. There's
1: oh, no I think so too. To. So. Would you say this has been a gnarly discussion, guys? Gonna <laughs> beat us over the head with that gnarly. <laughs> so now, do you know? Do you guys know really what gnarly means?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know like a, a real technical definition of it. But when something is gnarly, oh wait, I was gonna say it means it's super cool. But I'm not sure if something's gnarly, then it could actually be really not great.
1: Aha! You've come to the root of the gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> this was another one that actually cuz I was like you flush I immediately thought gnarly. It's cool. It's like super cool. No, it's like whoa, gnarly. That's gnarly. Man. Yeah, gnarly dude. I can't do a California accent. Um but no initially it came from um the 60s. And it was from a a wave that was, like, really awesome in the old-fashioned sense of the awesome. Right. Huge, difficult, whoa, you're going to, like, try to surf that gnarly wave. Yeah. And it was because the water, this is so logical, looked, like, gnarled. No way. It looked, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Which... Yes, which is rugged rock or stone, It's and it comes from a knob or knot in the wood, etc. Do you want to know the first use of <laughs> where gnarly derives from? Please tell us. <laughs> Shakespeare, not Latin, Shakespeare this time, 1603. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, gnarled oak in Measure for Measure. Gnarled, Shakespeare said. Gnarled.
1: It wasn't before that?
2: Apparently not. But it's weird, from Shakespeare to surfing, Yeah, Yeah. You know, it's sort of cool. I it was a variant language. of knurled,
1: K-N-U-R-L-E-D. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so with gnarly, the term now, it, it because the wave was tough, if you could ride it, you'd be like, whoa, that's really, you rode that gnarly wave. Right. So it's like, wow. And now it, that's what it became. It became totally, like, you know, intense.
2: Which actually leads, I think we, we're probably running late now, so that leads basically to our rants of next week with gnarly having different definitions, doesn't it? I was at the university last week. We have a big book fair every year. And I was in the specials room, and I came over to the main room to pull out books that looked rarer. This was before the sale started. And a volunteer there did not know who I was. So she came up to me and goes, may I help you? And I said, no, no, thank you. I'm fine. And she repeated it this time in a, in a, in a harsher tone. May I help you? <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm fine. <laughs> And it got me, obviously, she was not asking to help me. She was asking, what the blank was I doing in that room? She thought I was an early you know, uh, book dealer or something trying to take books. And I did have indeed have a stack of books. And it got me a la gnarly how many, we were talking about contronyms and how many phrases are contronymic. She didn't want to help me at all. She asked, <laughs> she was basically saying, what are you doing here? Get out of here. And then it got me because that day I went down the subway and a person as I was going down the escalator, a person decided to stop and look at her cell phone right at the right at the at the egress. So I said, excuse me. Right. And I wasn't asking to be excused at all. And that led to I was talking to after that, I was talking to a guy on the computer programmer, and I said, I think that's the problem with all of these A.I., um, you know, like uh, computer things where they can basically create like a turing test and the computer actually can answer you and talk to you and people think it's a human there's so many like contextual instances of english and can they ever do that he insists that with a million cases they're going to be able to do it i'm just curious what you all think about that
0: oh ross bless your heart
1: yes exactly That's the best southernism in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Or bless her heart. <laughs> I mean, I
0: can't, I can't say whether or not they could do it. It seems hard to imagine, uh, partly because, in text or something, it's going to be really hard even for humans to figure out exactly what somebody means.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, right now I have that issue because I'm a very sarcastic person, and and when I communicate in in, in, in text, whether it's texting or emailing or, or social media stuff, I've realized a lot of times I have to throw in like ha-has or something. Yeah, yeah. what exactly. I'm saying can be – a few times I haven't and people have gotten slightly offended. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is a joke. This is a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. And I, I mean, so I think that you have that on one hand and hearing it obviously tone, but going back to the negative in your case, Ross, where it's like you're saying, or or Fletcher with the bless your heart, where it's a positive thing and you really don't mean it that way. And the excuse me really gets me because I use that all the time. I'm always saying, yeah. excuse me. And, and I don't mean it like nicely. I mean, it like, excuse me, hello, get out of my way. So it's a, it is a strange thing. I tend to think, A, I can do it. I hate to say it, but I think so.
2: That's what my friend Eric said. He's Yeah, no, I him. think
1: it's the it's the end of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: because we opened it up with, I was telling, I said, we didn't want to spend money on Fletcher. Now, obviously, that was a joke, Fletcher. I assure you, it was a joke. Although we did not <laughs> yeah. spend money on Fletcher. <laughs> <Yeah, true, true. laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it just, I think it gets me what a tangled web we weave. I mean, language is so complex, so many contextual notions, maybe with the brute force you know, we can evolve to the point where a computer could theoretically sound as if it were really a true Turing test where it really sounds human. I think it's good. I'm, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to take a lot more than, than a few million instances, but you know, we'll see, but it is interesting how many times contronyms exist in phrases and attitudes, bless your hearts, etc. cetera. It just fascinated me. I started listening to them, not just words, but just entire dialogues that, you know, are, are done meaning something different than what the, the uh, overt meaning is.
1: Isn't there, I'm thinking, isn't there a word for it better than contronyms? Cause I mean, contronym is two things existing at the same time.
2: Well, yeah. Bless your heart. I mean, um, excuse me. You know, I, I will say excuse me deliberately to mean, excuse me, you know, but you'll also mean
1: like, it to mean, excuse you really mm-hmm. like, yeah, move. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, I contronym think, think would be correct. And I mean, they exist in all languages, not English, obviously. But it's not really, because a contronym is really a word, because nim become, you know, is a word. No, I know that.
1: That's what I was saying. Is there yeah. is there a term for this that that's eluding us right now?
0: You know, this is something that, um, Kathy, you mentioned how you have to add like ha-ha in your emails. This is pretty much exactly the reason that I opened up to using LOL mm-hmm. in my emails or whatever. You know, years ago... Uh, I refuse to use that sort of thing. Why would? Oh, why would I do that? Um, but it, it, you know, I realized after a while that it's actually useful. It's not just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I, I do have to use it to make sure that people understand I'm joking around or something like that. And it just became a useful part of of the discourse through through text.
1: There has been a movement i don't remember what happened with it remember to use i forget what it was some punctuation mark to indicate yeah. sarcasm yeah i remember that and I, yeah. and, I, and nothing happened of it did it? Well, it sort of faded
0: those kind of things aren't organic though and and something yeah. something like you know anything that's going to happen on the internet or through through text speaking is, is probably it's going to, to be more yeah definitely
1: yeah you can't graft mm-hmm. it but that's interesting though because
2: that does raise the thing we're talking about in effect because we're now at in some senses, we're once we're like a, we're once removed from normal conversation that humans have had for for you know hundreds of thousands of years. So now we're basically adding. It's really interesting when you think about it because I think the smiley face too mm-hmm. a lot of times at the end of things, right. or the wink, and those are those are basically basically they're substituting for what we would in person
1: sense as may I help you or excuse me. So that's really interesting. I can't use them. I can't use emojis. That's I. I can't. I, I. really can't. I'll do. I'll do. Just kidding, or you know, haha. But I cannot mm-hmm. use emojis. I just cannot do it. <laughs> I. I can't. I can't. But <laughs> given
2: what, given what Fletcher is saying, my guess would be, though, that these are going to become standardized. Oh, for sure. Everyone's going to use them eventually. No doubt. So you probably will use them. You know, in a hundred years. Oh, oh, you're,
1: you're already can. seeing it. If I'm still alive, yeah. and I intend to be. Um, yes. But. Yeah, because you're already seeing, and there was like, I mean, a couple of like v- lexicographers have done emoji dictionaries and stuff. Now, I mean, mm. it's it's really been legitimized in in terms of language and communication. I just can't do it. <laughs> and what we're talking about here, though, is interesting because it's
2: emotional. con It's emotional. the The usages now. We're we're emotionally we're adding emoticons in that sense to our phrases, so we can basically convey emotion and, and i think that's really interesting it's the language is literally changing at least written language to some degree is changing because of mm-hmm. that which is really sort well of don't you
1: think though it's because written language now has become like regular conversation like we're having right now whereas in the yeah. past you wrote a letter and someone didn't get it for three months yeah yeah
2: and you would be much more explicit in the letter about your mood or whatever and you probably wouldn't be sarcastic unless you really wanted to be sarcastic you know but i mean it was obvious i would be sarcastic
1: <laughs> Yeah.
2: So I I think it's really interesting. I really Mm -hmm. do. I mean, language is, we're seeing language changing and, and, you know, punctuation now is becoming something different than what we were accustomed to.
1: I might say it's gnarly if I were you. Yes.
0: This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petras records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetras at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And don't forget they have a new book out, A History of the World Through Body Parts. The stories behind the organs, appendages, digits, and the like attached to or detached from famous bodies. You can find that pretty much anywhere you get books as well. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, knrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.